0: You're listening to
1: Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players, and all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass.
0: Hello everybody, and welcome back to episode 43 of Arsenal Pass. We're back again with our part two of our predictions for Everfest's impact on the classic constructed meta, how each hero looks to be shaping up in that new meta, our deck ideas, and finally, giving a grade to each hero based on what they got in the set. Anyway, Hayden, first, as always, your week in Flesh and Blood, sir.
1: I didn't get my intro. You just dropped it completely. That's that's fine. That's so
0: true. That's actually tried. On, think about that. 43 episodes, and that's the first time I've done that.
1: Oh, you've missed We've
0: it We've never we've never like we've I've never missed it and we've run it back. This is I almost went a full year. I almost got to fifty two, but
1: I, oh, I didn't. you missed it now. I'll move on. Uh yeah, good good week in Flesh and Blood. Um played So the week before we played a lot of drafts, of course. Welcome to Wraith Farewell events. This week Everfest has been out. So you know, cracked some packs, cracked some cases, opened some good stuff. Uh which was which is cool. Um and then Played an armory last night. Didn't get to play any everfest before that. I went away for the weekend. Uh, went got a bit of a getaway, which was awesome. And then, yeah, played an armory last night. And playing a couple more this week. Just gonna try and play some everfest. And it's it's crazy. I feel like we're we're gonna talk again today about everfest impact on class constructed. I feel like what we're we're not even a seven days into everfest, and I already feel like some stuff is starting to shape up in terms of like decks we're seeing, things that people are talking about, the discourse in the community of of what. Everfest impact is on Class Constructor, which classes are winners, which classes are losers. And I think if we if we went back and redid last week's episode, we'd even have like a, a few a few different things to talk about. Um, so I'm excited that we're doing the bulk of the classes today and we're, we're gonna we're gonna breeze through them, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a thick one. Um, so my week in Flesh and Blood. Um, back to testing every day. So we had the hiatus in the off season. I played a little bit during then, but now back to uh, you know the everyday it's been testing a lot of prism, <laughs> and it's really good. Of course, everybody knows that, but I actually don't think it's going to be as dominant as people oh, think it will be. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be heavily represented on week one because, like, I was talking about this with Tim on time of the rounds yesterday. It's like uh, week one, weekend one of ProQuest is really predictable. Like, you might think like, wow, that deck is so popular, a lot of people are just going to try to target it. With the current player race in Flesh and Blood, they tend to just play that deck. Um, Definitely some people will tend to target it, but yeah, vast majority will be Prism. And actually, I think a lot of events will be won by Prism. This is, uh, you know, there are some variables here where if Bravo, star of the show, gets on stream and wins some games, that could also become a more popular deck. But whatever tends to be the community sentiment... um, translates really well to that week one of uh, of ProQuest.
1: well you're bringing bringing the uh the discussion for later and early <laughs> i yeah. i kind of i think we'll say, i'm gonna save my piece for once we get into to prism i think there's a bit of both on that regard i think one thing i will say is i think the flesh and blood uh especially the competitive community is like evolving to as we saw through like some of the national seasons that people react a lot faster than maybe they had previously but, still still there is that what time that sort of window you're talking about right where like the the prevailing decks come through but i think communications getting better between players and, and whatnot as well and you know like there was an event streamed on the weekend like a, i think it was like a winner case event uh where like a bravo star of the show deck went eight no right and, and now people are aware of that list and so there's, there's things like that happening a bit faster i think it, we're we're moving it's like the information age of flesh and blood is, is uh, coming about a bit faster but Anyway, should we uh, let's talk about a little bit of news before we get into this big, chunky sort of main topic, uh, which is going to take up majority of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So, uh, Calling Europe has been announced. There's going to be a Calling in Europe. We don't have any other details other than that, but I have heard that uh, they are dropping on, the. I think it's the 10th of February my time, so it must be 9th of February for most of North America uh and and europe so we're gonna get some details of when that's happening where that's happening what it looks like we do know there's a battle hardened happening in the uk uh so i believe that's in the next few weeks i think or next next month uh, after the pro quest season but then we, we're gonna have a calling so i don't know predictions brendan where, where do you think it would make sense to put put this calling for europe Do you think it's it's surely pre-pro tour right
0: i think so um well that's very soon uh,
1: turnaround so maybe it's maybe it's post i don't know
0: <laughs> i don't know yeah you're right uh, so That's funny. I was about to comment. I was like, yeah, Europe's a pretty big continent. (laughs) European ProQuest. I mean, that could be in a lot of places. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Do they just run it back in Utrecht? I think that it's probably decently dependent on what the COVID situation looks like in those countries. And um, yeah, I mean, because obviously that's why Utrecht was canceled. So I have no idea because I'm not up to date with those situations, but I think that's going to be like the main... Uh, contributing factor just if they can put it somewhere where it's very likely to actually kind of follow through uh, and people are able to play but yeah i don't know i'm actually i'm kind of bummed because back in 2020 2021 i had a lot of flexibility in my schedule to do those callings like to go to europe for a couple weeks or a month or new zealand for a couple weeks and right now with my current situation it looks like for the next about three months or two and a half months not going to have that flexibility i might after but yeah i hope uh i hope i don't miss out on too many awesome uh, awesome events
1: yeah i'd lo- love to hit europe up some callings i think we talked about this previously hopefully there's there's a couple in a, in a sequence um yeah i mean shout out to the polish community hopefully maybe it's in poland i mean there's uh, a yeah. lot of good players in poland they've kind of ripped the game very early on maybe maybe they get a calling uh, i think uk might be a safe bit but anyway we'll see by the time this pod drops, uh, we might we might have the announcement or it'll be coming shortly after. So, yeah, it be interesting to see what we what we get for the first European calling. Uh, long overdue, for sure.
0: I love Poland. I would be so bummed if I missed the Polish calling. Yeah, I'd um, never want to go. It's awesome. It's awesome.
1: As for the news, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Legend Story Studios and, and the Fab TCG website. Uh, hit me up for an interview after the Australian Nationals, and, and thank you very much. Nice softball questions, and nice interview. We talked about you know community and uh just you know journeys through flesh and blood and what the, how the game has changed over over the years, and a little bit about Australian nationals and testing and the event itself and it was uh, it was a really cool experience to sit down with nicola and talk about that so thank you for the for the nice interview they didn't they didn't uh hit me with any any hardball questions thankfully, so
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually had a listener question on twitter it said uh whose interview is better brendan's or l s s s
1: oh good good question uh very different very different brendan was very hardball uh you know LSS we talked a bit more about flesh and blood so <laughs> different different styles uh gameplay we've got another gameplay that's going to be up by the time that this podcast drops we're recording on actually we're recording a day early today aren't we so the the calling announcement is going to be out by the time the podcast drops by from the information i have and also our gameplay second everfest gameplay is going to be out i sleeved up bravo the start of the show which was Pretty exciting. Uh, very much a week one list, but I had a ton of fun playing it. And Brennan, what did you play?
0: Yeah, so I went with uh, kind of the traditional meta pack, meta pick as usual.
1: Um, put Hayden on the hard deck.
0: Now I picked. Uh, I played Kano, <laughs> so you know I think that there's a at least once a year, one like Hayden and I have one of us has to play Kano that year. So um, I took I took one for the team, and I absolutely destroyed Hayden. So go check out that video.
1: You're waiting till Kano is. Much more in favor, aren't you? Look, I, I'm really excited about the canon cards, and we're going to talk about Wizard, I think, first or second up today. So, yeah, it was a cool game. Check it out. It's up on YouTube now as this pod drops. And anything else to, to add, Brendan? Time in the round. What's been happening with time in the round? Uh, we've got a time around this week, I believe, with Tim Bunn. Is that right? That's correct. So, the, the classic plug of time in the round, the new section, we do
0: have Tim Bunn this week. One of my favorite people. You will, might recognize that last name. Another man by the name of Zach Bunn is his brother uh pretty prevalent in the community we actually had him on time of the round as well so talk to his brother tim uh, great conversation talk about some hot topics um tim's first tim's first uh first time on arsenal pass gave him some hard balls <laughs> specifically around organized play so you'll see tim's responses and if you disagree with anything said in the podcast just light him up on twitter <laughs> uh and yeah just want to shout out to the arsenal pass patreon thank you all so much for supporting us um and if you are interested in checking that out, we do have tons of extra content in there on there, including deck text, deck guides, as well as extra podcasts um, and a few creative things like once a month. Sometimes I remember we did the uh, we did commentary over the Hong Kong Nationals final um, in terms of like analyzing it from deep level turn by turn. That was really cool.
1: Yep. Yep. Definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, just no Command Cookout this week. So Brennan, don't worry about firing up the grill. We're gonna leave that for this week because we have a lot to get through with Everfest and class constructed. We do have a, a backlog of questions. Thank you to to everyone who sent some questions and we will definitely try and get through those. Maybe we will do a couple of questions. One episode, where we've got uh, a bit of a shorter main topic to, to catch up on those. But if you do wanna get your question in, you can tweet at us, you can drop them in the YouTube comments below. Just let us know, it's a Command Cookout question. So we, we make a note of that. Uh, you can hit us up on email, arsenalpassfab at gmail dot com and um, if you are one of our patrons we do have the Discord uh, with a, a commander cookout channel where you can drop your drop your questions ready for the grill. <laughs> awesome.
0: Well like you said it's gonna be a thick one <laughs> today. So talk to just give everybody a refresher on the yep. grading system we'll be using for all the heroes.
1: Yeah so I'm um, if you didn't listen to the pod last week I recommend going back and checking out at least the main topic of the pod, which is about 45 minutes in because we did have some robust discussion uh which we got some feedback on at the start of the of that pod but basically last week we started to break down Everfest and Classic Constructed we talked about Mechanologist we talked about Guardian and we talked about Runeblade so you know three of the really big ones are heading into this new format especially of course Guardian Runeblade with the heroes they have you know three heroes a piece now but yes the grading system so we talk through each of the heroes, talk about, you know, the classes and the heroes, what we think is going to be good in Everfest, uh, where they've come from, the changes, what we expect to see archetype-wise, what we would play as well. And then we give a bit of a grading at the end of how we think they're shaping up for, for Everfest class constructed. And I just want to recap this. And I, I, Apologies, I don't think I was very clear about our grading system last week, and people just thought we're probably throwing stuff out there. But basically, if we're giving them an A, we think they've had a massive boost. This is now one of the more powerful classes with a lot of tools and could be among the decks to beat in the format. A B is, you know, they got some amount of boost. They stayed the same. Uh, if they were near the top and they should be a contender through the season c they got very little or maybe gotten worse as a top deck Um, and they might see play but they they might find a spot in the meta just depending on what's happening that could be a bit of a meta call right and then d is they got actively worse or stayed uh, bad very few tools given to them and have been kind of left behind with everfest and might have little to no impact on the everfest meta and of course we could be wrong about these but those are our predicted grades let's kick it off brennan with the one I wanted to talk about last week, but we're going to talk about Brute to start with. So, of course, we have Rhaenar and Livia, the two Brute heroes. And if we talk a little bit about where those heroes were in the last meta, uh, you know, maybe... Where, where was? Let's start with Livia. Where do you think Livia was in the last meta? Uh,
0: probably somewhere near the dumpster. Um, <laughs> the thing about Brute is I think that Brute, uh, at least in class constructed, often exist in the middle, right? The middle between defensive and hyper-aggressive. Um, and I think that, that those decks were not able to flourish, both in Monarch, but particularly in Tales of Aria. I think that was a very polarizing format between hyper-aggressive and hyper-defensive. So I would say that those cla- uh, Levy, in particular, I honestly i haven't uh we haven't really tested we haven't played too much with Levia and since monarch but i assume it only got worse and yeah it was a, it was a tough spot for our girl what do you think because i remember there's a time back in monarch when uh you're actually thinking about taking levy instead of chain <laughs>
1: well i i think yeah i know had i had more pro quiz, uh, sorry uh road to nationals i would have taken levia to one of those um unfortunately my road to national season got pretty much canned but i thought levia was really good in that format just because of how aggressive that deck is and um how well it played into to prism and to, to the guardian builds of that time but the tough thing for i think for Livia in the last format is that yeah briar was around right it was this a deck that did the aggression better uh it Levy doesn't disrupt as much as reiner which is tough um and you know you can struggle into these i think you can struggle into these ultra Sort of controlling or long game decks if they know how to play into you i think if they don't you you can walk them but once they've tested that matchup it becomes very difficult so i think livia was in a really tough spot i think the deck still has explosion i actually played against olivia last night at um at an armory and just yeah i mean there's still a lot of power coming out of that that livia deck I think Reiner is an interesting one of where that's been and I think I've talked about this I really wanted to play Reiner in the last format I think Briar made that impossible I think it had really good matchups into Ultim and maybe could have even been a good call at the end of the season with how much Prism we saw I think you still have good matchups there but ultimately uh, you know this deck that was just too aggressive and Reiner is a deck that struggles with you know aggression kind of in any form to be honest it deals with it worse than Livia but deals with uh, disruption sort of uh, style or disrupting control decks a lot more so kind of an interesting spot so that's kind of where they were right they were kind of out of the meta they were maybe maybe you would take Reinar if it was the the right sort of event for it but probably you weren't playing either in a competitive event so in terms of I guess we kind of talked about what they're what they're strong against and what they're weak against you know Reinar plays really well into these decks that want to play defense reactions want to disrupt turns want to set up you know uh, cycles so it has been good into to old times has been you know reasonable into to Bravo depending on the build um, has been you know otk viscera for instance like that's a, a very good matchup for reiner so and then on the flip side livia plays well into decks that want to kind of have a consistent game plan like traditionally livia's played really well into dash for instance so um if we talk about cards they've gotten though let's move on to everfest what have they actually gotten so we, you want you want to start with big uh, swing big i keep saying big swing swing big
0: yeah, I mean this one definitely. I, I don't think it's up for debate how good this card is. Um, this one, Pushed. I think we can all we can all agree that this was uh, this is the good card that Brute got. Um, so swing big. This is uh, Brute attack. Uh, brute attack action majestic. It uh, costs two, swings for eight, blocks for three. If swing big doesn't hit, the defending hero creates a quicken token uh, when the combat chain closes. So you're getting punished if this is fully blocked. But I mean, this on the tail end of a of a blood rush Bella turn, it's pretty good. It's and pretty also good. forcing your opponent to block, yeah, uh, forcing your opponent to block eight at any time, um, especially in you know the metas that we're used to, which are generally more aggressive decks. Yeah, it's a uh, it's very good card. <laughs>
1: so best best case scenario to block this out, right, is like an unmovable, yeah? Red unmovable from Arsenal, that's two cards. So you start your turn with three. How how effective is that quicken token? Like even if this even if this does get defended out, like how, how effective is that quicken token gonna be? What what you're probably looking at more likely is someone throwing their whole hand at this at the end of a chain, maybe, but if it's in Reiner, do they even have the cards to defend with? Getting that quicken and then later on, you know, two turns down the track using that quicken token because they defended out on that turn. Maybe they keep their whole hand the following turn. So I that's 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 a real thing that can happen but the the tempo that this can swing i like that it's in the name is quite a lot and just two for eight like that is that is a pushed effect right like two for eight is is well above right with no downside you know with the downside that it has
0: i think uh, a lot of us wouldn't have been surprised if this card didn't block like, I think it's, uh, it's on that power level. So <laughs> super, super good.
1: It's majestic though. So yeah, I think swing big slots into to Reiner <clears throat> immediately. I think, as you say, it's the best on a Blood Rush uh, turn, but it's also just super efficient, even on a two card hand. It does more than any two card hand in your deck can do currently. Um, yeah, Livia, I, I think it probably still goes in just the, the power level, right? Uh, you've just got to try and find the, the spots for it, but it's so good off. Uh, it's funny, it kind of competes with Graveling Growl, I think, and it depends on what your deck looks like. So yeah. Mm. Let's talk about Wild Ride. I'm really high on this card. I think this is uh, probably the next card, and to be honest, in my opinion, the only other card that Brutes have gotten in, in this set uh, that I think is is competitively viable. So Wild Ride is the two-cost uh, at red. It attacks for six, so it goes down to five, four for blue and yellow. It doesn't defend, and it says, when you attack with Wild Ride, draw a card, then discard a random card. If it has six or more attack, Wild Ride gets go again. So very similar to Pulping, <coughs> but in that we have... You know, the there's no but you can't lose the go again, but you don't get the dominate. I, I really like this card because pulping was really tough to play into decks that could or might run defense directions against you, especially if you're playing Reinar. And if you're playing it in um Levier in particular, often players are gonna play defense directions into you because you don't have the intimidate mechanic like you do with Reinar. So I think Wild Ride is actually a bit of a it's a side side grade, but maybe a slight upgrade on pulping in the types of decks that you want to play it in. Um, so I, I really like this card, particularly in in Reiner, uh, with a with a mm-hmm. prism with a prism meta. So, yeah, I mean on this one I have to I have to just totally agree with you. There's not really much more to say. This in
0: Rinar is particularly good. How many of these cards you can run in Reiner, uh at zero block? I think is a somewhat meta dependent, yep. but looks like uh, it's going to be easier than it used to be. And that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, the the decks in the moment and when you might play them. But I think if if you're looking at medicals calls, uh, Rhyner might start to look a little bit different, and you might be playing more of these no defense cards because you might be playing into a meta where you're not expecting as many aggressive decks. So that's that's an interesting thing to consider as well. But I like this at red and blue in particular. What about higher, uh Rolling Thunder, Brendan? What's your opinion on this?
0: <laughs> so I initially thought this card was I was actually pretty excited about it, and Hayden brought me back to earth a little bit. That being said, when we reevaluated that it can hit the weapon as well, um, I think that it's good, but I don't think it's, it's exceptional. I don't know if you're playing it in literally every single Brute deck. Uh, what do you think, Hayden?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, there's, I'm going to consider like, the upside. So the fact that this is a one cost, it can give you plus six average. You know, you're going to be hitting a, a three, right? Three to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets go again, hits the weapon like you say, it defends three. These are all good positive things, right? The the downside is this isn't a six attack. So I think in Rhino, for instance, especially with the new cards that you probably want to play, this gets worse. This is a bit of a maybe an issue. Um and then the fact that, you know, if you if you are rolling ones, twos, threes, it's worse than an average card in your deck and it already has anti-synergy. So I think this is um this really fits this majestic has been given as a slot to this mechanic of rolling dice and getting the benefit, right? Like the um is it high rollers and and, of course, the crushers the new equipment. I think these all kind of sit in a package together, which is more of a KO package, to be honest. But I think there's probably a, a, either a Levy or a Reimard deck you can play here that's very high roll Um It's kind of in the name, right? High-rollers. It's not something I'm interested in from a competitive standpoint. But, you know what? It, it could be a deck to play and could be interesting to look at. But, yeah, I mean, um, maybe in a club build, this could be playable in terms of you know what it gives you on the weapon. But I just think doesn't do the things that you want it doesn't tick the boxes that you want it to tick so yeah I, I i think this is a bit more of a ko card personally
0: yeah in the context of a lot of these cards being sort of gambly that's a word uh this is the one i think is the most playable sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it is what it is brute yeah we'll talk about it pretty soon here but we brute got brute got a short the short end of the stick so next is going to be skull crushers Hey, now I don't think we need to say too much about this card, but I have a question for you. Is this card good enough to play in a standard Reinhardt deck?
1: So it's possibly an upgrade on Iron Rock Gauntlet if you want that into an aggressive meta. Um, but it's kind of anti-synergistic because you want Gambler's Gloves in any deck where you're rolling dice and this fits your arm slot. So I don't really want any part of this, to be honest, in, in, uh, in Class Constructor decks, I think unfortunately i just don't think there's enough ways so there's this, the deck we just talked about right that could be something you may be playing classic constructed maybe you want to play that kind of thing I, it has no interest to in me i just don't i think there's too much variance involved like now you're starting to really back into the variance which i don't want to do and i just don't think the upside is high enough to be doing that so, no yeah
0: well is what it is i thought brute was the variance based class no i'm kidding <laughs> well so next is uh next is bear fangs well yeah well maybe now it is yeah <laughs> people are next right is, now uh, <laughs> next is bear fangs so it's a six attack i think it costs does it costs two hayden yeah That's it costs t- two it says when you attack with bear fangs draw a card then discard a random card if a card is six or more attack, is discarded this way bear fangs gains plus two so this in the best case scenario would be a two for eight you know potentially a reinhardt you also get the intimidate on top of that so similar to swing big without swing big's uh quote-unquote downside which i don't think is too bad of a downside um and of course does not block so and leaning into that archetype a little bit more with the with the no, zero block um, or no block value, if I, if I may say, because that's more accurate, um, of brute cards. What is your opinion on this one, Aiden?
1: Yeah, this card's growing on me more and more as I look at it. I still haven't found the way I want to play this card because they're just the no defense cards, I think, to your point earlier, about how many you want to play is tough. And I really like Wild Ride and what that's doing with potentially a deck that goes a bit more... A bit wider, activates Claws, and um, can put pressure on Prism decks, especially if prism can big in the format. I, I do like this card, though. The fact that this... trigger So we talked about a two-card hand before, right, with Swing Big, where it's like pitch yellow, play Swing Big, come for eight. Well, this can do the same thing, but it gets an Intimidate trigger. Yeah. And it doesn't have the downside of the quicken. Like, that's actually huge. This card is, is really strong, but it doesn't defend. And how many of those cards can you play? But I do really like Bear Fangs. I think this is one of the better cards that you can play uh off say like a sand sketch plan for instance you know if you've got the two actions uh because you're, you're coming in for eight so that the power ratio gets higher as opposed to when it, it didn't so much in the past like you know often it was only uh cards like massacre or on blood rush bellows turns where your cards started to get above rate. Right? um whereas now you have something like bear fangs or swing big so i could see playing not playing wild ride and playing this uh and instead of it and playing a bit more of like a, a is focus deck and um, maybe less reliance on the go again and, and having this as like your two card hand and blocking with your other two cards for instance. So yeah, this card's growing me a lot. I like it. I think I like the red. I'm less less keen on the the blue and the yellow. Mm-hmm. So next up is going to be Talisman of
0: Recommend. Oh, here we go. Not a brute card, but it seems to go well in brutes uh, in our opinion. So it's an item, of course. It says go again whenever you pitch a card. If you would gain exactly one resource. Instead, destroy Talisman of Recompense. Gain three. So this is, I feel like this item is playable in a few decks, uh, depending how many items you can put in your deck, but that is a powerful effect,
1: and I can hear how excited you are because it is particularly powerful in Brute. So one of the, yeah, so you might ask why, right? Like, what, why is this good in Brute? Well, one of the issues that Brute often has is that you go for your Bloodrush Bellas turn or you uh, are lining up maybe, you know, a, a strong Quad Intimidate turn, um but the problem is you do have reds in your deck right and we talk about reducing variance in brute and that's like the dice rolling and the discard mechanic but you need to play some of these strong red cards and as much as i want to play as many yellows as i can in my deck um you need reds but as soon as you start to get over like 20 reds, i think sometimes you get these hands where you're like okay blood rush bellows draw double red and it's like oh this is this is terrible i'm not able to swing the claws i'm not able to get max effect talisman fixes some of those hands right it fixes some of that variance by allowing you to have this in play it has go again which is huge so you can play this with go again still get with your attack with the weapon or whatever or attack with you know maybe a, a pack hunt or whatever it is for the turn off a three card hand but then later in the game it's gonna be worth a lot to you it's gonna be worth more than a card probably uh because it's gonna allow you to continue with a, say a blood rush bellies turn etc so i'm really high on this card it's also yellow so mm-hmm. it pitches if you yeah. needed to in a in a way that's good for your deck so many two costs your weapon two costs of course so um yeah i just i do think the the issue though with this card is it again doesn't defend and this is like a limit of how many of these cards you can play so where i think this fits in more so is in this kind of like more mid-rangey deck that doesn't want to be as aggressive with wild rides maybe you play bare fangs is your only card that doesn't defend uh plus you play this and you do away with in the po- past energy potions being like a card i've been a big fan of But this card says go again on it Um, and i think it does a very similar job so yeah pretty pretty big on talisman recompense
0: yeah i mean for sort of immediate meta relevance i think it's pretty good against something like prism where the defense value in your cards is a little bit less relevant and this ability will be relevant (laughs) so i think it's kind of a free roll in that matchup which should be a popular matchup
1: i don't know how keen i am on it in Livia, to be honest um whereas a card like Maybe bear fangs. I'm I'm okay with Levia, although you have so many other cards. I just feel like Levia got like nothing from the set, to be honest. Apart from maybe maybe swing big and potentially wild ride, depending on the deck you wanted in. But I don't think. I think the other cards are are more right now, to be honest.
0: To be honest, I genuinely forget that Levia is a hero. Sometimes no, it, it feels sucks. like she's that she's oh. that disregarded. Um. So new archetype, yeah. Yeah. yeah, new archetypes in Everfest. Hayden, I'll go first. There's obviously a. Pretty apparent topic of a new archetype that I like to call Yolo Brute, <laughs> which, yeah. to be honest, I kind of hate it. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of hate it too. Um, it's cool, I guess. Like I th- felt like we had that with KO, and it was like enough, right? It was like, yeah, if you want to go do that, there's uh, you can go do that in this casual format, and it can be fun sometimes. But like when a when this much set design is devoted to this, ah, this archetype that. I mean, the general reception seems seems to not be good. I know from like Hayden and I's perspective, um, we definitely hate it. But I could see some, pe- you know, I could see some people liking this. I felt like Brute got, like I said earlier, got the short end of the stick, and I'm not too happy with uh, with Yolo Brute. But at least they got, you know, swing big and potentially wild ride and stuff like that. Hayden, I know that this is this one's gonna be close to close to, close to home. So tell me what's going through your head.
1: I feel like uh, LSS have done one over here because they go, everyone goes, oh, it's the variance class, it's the variance class. And LSS goes, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. Because, it, you yeah. know, it, it now you have this archetype that really is like just back into variance. And of course, we had KO already, which was, you know, the hero ability was was like a variant role, but has a pretty big upside. So, yeah, a little bit disappointed, really disappointed for fans of Levia out there who want to play Levia. I think being a little bit shortchanged this set. But I, I do think like, Livia's issue in the last format wasn't the the card pool and and the decks you could play it was like the format so you know maybe Livia is actually ends up being stronger you know all things considered uh, when you net it out reina uh yeah i think there's a couple of cool cards uh i think the overall deck hasn't changed much though when we talk about archetypes i don't think there's much in there so if i was to play this right now if i was to play reina or Livia, uh, i would if i was looking at Livia, i'd look at something very similar to what i've been playing in the past i think the has slowed a little bit so i would definitely be pretty high on playing like the toolbox elements with Shadow Blastma Fett, etc., which I already was high on. I think that is the biggest strength you have with Levy, and I think not playing it is is tough, but I understand why people did it because of the format we were in. Um and then with with Reiner, uh so my initial thoughts was I would go for if I'm targeting a Prism and Guardian meter, I would probably focus on cards like Wild Ride and um some some pulping for the prism matchup. To be able to go wide and pressure shields and then uh push damage and uh pop pop auras with your with your final attack so you're looking to to multiple attack most turns if prism ends up being good but isn't the bulk of the meta maybe there's a a step back somewhere and the deck i might look at is something i was just talking about before with like you know the only cards i don't defend are are like Bear fangs maybe and i play swing big maybe i get talisman recompense in there and i'm playing a bit more of a mid-range deck and maybe we're preying on the guardians um and some of the the more the other more mid-range decks so yeah i unfortunately i think Brute's in a bit of a, a tough spot still, and the, the archetypes haven't changed. So it's about working within <clears throat> probably the existing bases we had, and maybe there's something else in there we just haven't discovered yet, and that would that would be cool. But I don't, I don't, I don't uh, particularly feel confident about it.
0: Important thing you touch on there, which is brute being a <laughs> meta-dependent class. Um, can brute exist in to be relatively competitive, uh, or? more than relatively competitive and just like a normal meta, right? Or does it have to be like this kind of control dominated meta or prism dominated meta where it just really shines because of its you know, either intimidate factors, um, evasion, or its ability to pop phantasm? I'm not sure. Um, probably, <laughs> right? I think that one of the, the biggest limitator, limiter on on Brute was decks like Chain and decks like Briar. They were extremely punishing uh, to Brute. So, with those maybe having less of a representation of the meta, maybe there's more room for Brute. And of course, there is the Prism, uh, the Prism, what would you call it, epidemic that's going to be happening here on Proquest, uh, Possibly. ProQuest. ProQuest Week One. It's definitely going to be there. There's going to be a lot of Prism players. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, like, obviously bravo star of the show has his stock has, has risen a bit and a lot of players are looking to probably play that as well but i think the prism for a lot of a lot of events will be the most popular deck and yeah we theoretically ryanar shines shines uh against that
1: yeah um i just want to go back to your, what you talked about before i think brute is it's a medical I would play Reinar in this ProQuest Season, and if I feel like it's the right week to do it, I probably will. I will take any opportunity I can to play Reinar, of course. Um, but I think into an open field, it's really tough because one of the, the hard things about Reinar is like slots are really limited in this deck. It's actually, I find it tough to build this deck in a way where I can match up well against the field. I feel like with Reinar, I often want to be targeting decks. So <clears throat> if I know it's a Prism Guardian meta, cool, I think there's a deck list that I could have for that and I'd feel pretty confident taking it to an event. If I think there's going to be like, you know, 20% Prism, 15% Guardian, and then like, you know, 15% Rune Blades, there's some ninjas out there. If there's a whole wider field, I feel way less confident about it. Um with that being said, let's let's drop some grades. I think for me, uh Rhino ends up at a C, I think pretty flat to where we were previously, gets a couple of upgrades, but um doesn't doesn't change the way it plays, and it's really still gonna be meta dependent, which I think it was earlier, how well you can use Intimidate levia sorry team i I think it's like a a d plus uh levia has i think gotten nothing from this basically and although maybe the meta serves it a little bit better i just i just think it's going to struggle to to have any any presence in this competitive meta heading forward never first i hope i'm wrong but
0: that's my yeah Uh, my grades are actually completely the same um so rhino is going to be a c for me and levia a d a d i mean for levia if we cuz we're grading these in the context of what they got from Everfest i really didn't i don't think she got much at all um could she be a decent call into a prism meta maybe but i think Reinar's better <laughs> so the thing about levia is like levia is you know it's good against illusionists in the way you think it would be but you know, if you do end up rolling like a one or something below that, because I think you have to roll the scabs against a lot against illusionists, too. that's part of what makes, you, what makes you strong against them. Maybe you think I'm wrong, but I think that if you do roll that late game, Reinar gets punished by, I don't know, getting hit by a herald on the, the turn cycle after where your opponent goes or um, gets an out place in him, where Levia has the possibility of taking like 10-15 blood debt. <laughs> and I, I would rather be on Reinar in that situation.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Next class, we're going to Wizard. Brendan, Patrick of Volcor, this one is for you. I'm gonna lead you in with some some questions here on Wizard, and uh, I'm gonna let you do some talking on one of your favorite classes here. So we talk about Kano. Of course, that's our that's our Wizard right now. Where was Kano in the in the last class Constructed Meta? It was a gimmick. Um, It was not a good deck, Uh,
0: and it could it stole a couple events. um, You know, it won a couple events. Italian Nationals. yeah, and it won, a, it won, you know, there were some at the top tables, both in um, Vegas, so for Monarch meta, and then Tales of Aria at Orlando, there were some, de- not too high in the tables, but decently high. In that meta, a lot of the Kano wins came from the opponents just not running Null Rune at all, and I thought, in my opinion, the fact that a Briar opponent could run 0 Null Rune and still... Beat Kano probably over the fifty percent delta is <laughs> it just it kind of hurts. But with Everfest, I think we got a few more pieces to help us out with that situation in particular. In particular,
1: yeah. So if we look at Kano, right, if we take a step back before we even talk about Everfest, like what is Kano good at and what is Kano not not so good at? Just in just in general, as a, as a hero, as a, as a player in the flesh and blood meta.
0: Yeah. So Kano is. I think from, a, like, a design uh, a design standpoint, like, one of the biggest, or one of the best tools against, like, a, a degenerate control meta. Um, I know that in the context of when Kano was originally printed, which was in a, like a world of drone Brutality, Kano was definitely, like, the theoretical counter to drone Brutality. Um, and, yeah, I think that Outside of being very good against control and also good against like hyper aggro that doesn't run enough cards to, you know, pitch against it, the thing I, what I think it's best at or what it has been best at in Class Constructed has just been surprising opponents yeah. and taking wins away because people don't, they don't know what it is, you know, and they don't, they don't respect it. And yeah, I mean, I honestly think that a lot of the Kano wins were um, off the back of that, although that's not a hundred percent of it, of course, before you. Yell at me for getting your couple Kano (laughs) wins and Monarch tales there.
1: (laughs) Good good players playing these decks, right? Players that know the decks and know how to get wins with with a deck that maybe isn't quite as favoured in the meta. Okay, so Kano good at at punishing potentially, you know, like super controlling decks that can you can set up these combos. You've got stir forked you've got blazing ethers, you can stack. You've got this big end game. You can always leak damage unless people are playing, you know, (laughs) Barrier Five or whatever. what do we get from Everfest? Like, what are the cards that stand out in terms of looking to impact Class Constructor Volcano?
0: Yeah, so the most important is Aether Wildfire. Um, so we currently we had some punishing effects before, right? In the, most notably in the form of Aether Flare, uh, things like Blazing Aether. Uh, these cards would punish your opponent for not blocking, right? For not interacting with you. Um, and like I said, it didn't really feel like it was enough because still some decks get away with it. With the addition of Aether Flare, that's now another multipli- multiplicative damage effect that Wizard can use um, that heavily punishes opponents that uh, you know don't run Null Rune or just decide to not block that turn, dump their entire hand. So I think this addition to, of Aether Wildfire in particular is very, very good for Kano and class constructed. That being said, Aether Wildfire is a bit harder to get off than... Uh, i think we first
1: appreciate it it's very expensive so are you is this a card you think goes in all kano decks then no i
0: actually don't <laughs> like potentially but i think that there's a kano deck where you play uh i don't know if the correct word would be low variance but you don't really play off the top right you chip 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 and then set up some sort of combo turn or just kill them on their turn when they overextend. That's actually my favorite way to play Kano, and I think you play that into, like, that's probably the better way to play Kano into, like, mid-range and control. Um, But against aggressive decks, against uh, decks that are not going to pitch to block arcane damage, I think this is a great um, option to have in the deck. Whether you have, like, a couple standard in the main board, I'm not sure yet, I haven't tested it enough, but for me, I think it's kind of sideboard
1: yeah so like the the big kind <clears> of <throat> combo right is is catching the opponent out uh this and to snap back into a blazing ether right like that is the the, the big one right because you you catch them with their pants down you're coming in for if if you're able to pump as well right potentially maybe six with the nodes and the staff yeah, so coming in for six they have they've got their pants down can't can't stop it hit them for six your snapbacks coming in for nine uh so that's 15 and then your blazing ether is coming in for 15 plus the original six so for 21 so that's a big turn. That's a lot of damage, but um, you've got to you've got to catch the opponent, as we say. With I'm mean, gonna keep saying with pants down. Um, but that's a that's a three card combo. Uh, you know, off the off the top, you find the the blazing or the the wildfire, and then you use your boots for the other one. So it's not it's not unthinkable, right? Like that is quite a powerful combo, and your opponent has to respect that. I think now with wildfire being in the format.
0: Yeah, so it's somewhat of a three card combo, right? It's a three card combo um well i guess it's not really a three card combo because you're going to need that extra uh resource for your boots whether it's for blazing or it's for uh it's a wildfire sure
1: um, so so wildfire plus the two pumps is, is four resources right one to play maybe the, the the blazing sorry one to play the wildfire sorry right uh, another three to hit the card on the top so you're at eight one for the so nine with a snapback so yeah it probably involves a, a I uh, wonder. No, it's five cut hand, right? With 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 tunic, uh, if whether or not you have tunic, so
0: yeah, I see this most consistently as um, you have Aether wildfire in your arsenal.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you have
0: tunic up. You play tunic or yep. You have snapback in your hand. You pitch a blue. You play. This is without any pumps, right? So you yeah. can, if you have another blue, you're pumping all of this stuff with your crucible and your metacarpus Dots, But if not, you play your blue. Um, you know, you activate the storm, uh, the storm shrouders. You play your ether wildfire pitching a blue. Then you play your snapback off of your tunic, and then pitch your other blue to Kano the blazing ether off the top. So, yeah, that's where I see it happening the most. And then if you have that extra blue to pump it up, I mean, you're right. It's a very good combo, but um, a bit specific. And I think it it's very good against decks that are not going to pitch against you, where when decks are going to sp- reserve resources or um you know interact with their arcane damage, I think something like a Star Fork is a better usually a better use of those uh Storm Shriders.
1: Yeah, so I, the way I see it is something like you um maybe you Sonic Boom on your turn Aether Aether Spindle Red and force them to to Arcane Barrier on, on your turn and then they come in with an attack on their turn, right? And and it kind of you know guards guards it down. The other card, and I'm just gonna skip to I know this is later down, but let's talk about it now while we're talking about this, because I think this plays into this combo. Deja vu potion. If you have maybe the the extra resources, or you have the tunic counter up, and maybe you pitch the the blazing, then mm-hmm. you can put it back on top with Deja Vu potion, right, and, and set that combo up that way. So, what's your po- uh, sort of thoughts on Deja Vu or Potion of Deja Vu? That was called Deja yeah, Vu so,
0: potion. Yeah, I think overall Deja Vu is potion is the most powerful wizard card we got in this
1: set. Um the way around, so by many. Way. D- Sorry, Potion of Deja Vu. Sorry,
0: Potion of Deja Vu. Um, yeah, I think that you can do the most degenerate things with Deja Vu Potion, but it's also just its use case, um, or at least its power floor is decently high, right? So like, eh, I think in like a bad case scenario, you can be pitching the, like if you've drawn quite a few reds, you pitch your red um, Voltic Bolt, then you Deja Vu Potion, put it on top, um, you know, Kano it off and boom, you're good to go. So like, I really like that for when you have those dead hands or your opponent... You know, thinks they can get away with something when you have fewer cards in hand, um, and then of course when you're going on like longer card combos, this is s- incredible. Like it's so good for stacking blazings as well. So I think this, for me, this is the most powerful um, wizard wizard uh, wizard card in the set.
1: The the, the wizard non wizard card. I think. Um potion of deja vu is is really strong i i agree i think it's one of the strongest cards that was gets in this format one thing you have to consider is how many potions do you play i actually think there's this big trap of because there's also potion of clarity which we can talk about this is the scry 2 one um i'd love to hear your thoughts but i think this one is 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 good but unfortunately not good enough that i want to be playing it because i want to be playing three copies of um, potion of deja vu at least two probably and I still want some number of energy potions because I want to be sitting up these these big turns. But maybe maybe my cyborg now looks like I'm rotating in my potions. You know, I'm, I'm a wizard player. I'm I'm bringing different brews to different fri- fights. So um, yeah, what's your thoughts on clarity?
0: Well, it's a good question. If uh, potion of déjà vu is actually better than energy potion, because I think energy potion prior to the set was actually the most powerful wizard card. Funny enough. Um, so yeah, how many how many potions are you playing? Good question. I think that I'm with you in terms of I'm prioritizing energy potions and deja vu potions before clarity potion. So, the best way to articulate clarity potion, in my opinion, is if you look back at the blitz meta in season two of Skirmish, there was a somewhat geographical divide on wizards that would play talismanic lens and wizards that would play um, arcanite skull cap, and this was mostly Singapore and the APAC region, not including. Um, New Zealand, Australia versus the U.S. Wizards. And my, like, obviously Skullcap is great. You start at 15 life. Um, there's a lot of on-hit triggers in that format. Uh, it's particularly good against Prism. But I would still run the Talismatic Lens because I maintain to this day, if you are not a yellow off the top, and even if you are a yellow off the top wizard, Talismatic Lens was so freaking strong. And it, like, that helped you get so many kills, right? Because you can, like, it, in somewhat bad case scenarios, you would stir fork somebody or get them decently low, and it wasn't actually able enough to kill them. And then your key card to end up to killing them on their turn and instead of just gambling off the top was now cracking your talismatic mm-hmm. lens. When your opponents would overextend to you, that's when you would crack your talismatic lens and really mm-hmm. punish them. Because, you know, if you blanked off the top in that situation, like, that's not good. So having this on demand via a potion... And I particularly like potions in Kano because you can Kano them off the top. Super, super good. I think that this yeah. I'm probably playing close to nine potions. It's somewhat depending on what you're playing against, but yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a very
1: good card. I think one thing I was gonna say, the reason I don't like as many potions is and yeah, they they they're they're good at situational times of Kano, but sometimes they're bad off Kano when you're actually looking for damage. They're not good off Sonic Booms. Uh they don't defend. I think there is a cost to them, so I'm looking somewhere between like four to six personally, but yeah, it could depend on the matchup and, and what you want to play, too. I want to keep us moving, and I want to apologize for both of us butchering the names there of Potion of Deja Vu and Clarity Potion. They're opposite. We kept saying that the other ones. Brendan, <laughs> what else uh, interests you from the set? Uh, we've but, got to probably yeah. talk about Emirata Scolding, right?
0: Yeah, so Scolding is an interesting card. Um, so this is... I don't know how I feel about Emira Scolding. So it's, uh, you know, I thought about it quite a bit because we were playing that class-constructed game um, where I was on Kano. And I think that Emerald's Golding doesn't really fit into how I like to play Kano, but I think that uh, different ways of playing Kano, going off the top more, using Kano's ability more, whether that's more possible now because you have uh, more information on the top of your deck with things like Potion of Clarity. This card is incredibly strong. Um, But yeah, I I like the blue, right? I like... I like the blue in particular because I feel like I get, you know, an okay rate when I blank this as a blue on my opponent's turn or something like that. But yeah, Emeritus Golding is, I don't think my opinion on this is fully formed yet. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I like the blue. Uh, I'm not sure about the red yet. I think it's, it's, the, the crazy thing with Everfest for all decks really is that slots are really starting to be congested. And it's, you have to, you're not looking at cards as like, okay, this card's good, this card's good. You're looking at like, my game plan and how this card plays into it. And I think you hit the nail on the head of like how you're playing Kano and the strategy you're going for. Maybe this doesn't fit in, but maybe for other ways of playing Kano, or maybe there's a different strategy out there or a new kind of build of Kano. Maybe this is, is really good. Six damage is obviously phenomenal. Like it's really strong. Um, so I think it's going to depend. Other cards, uh, I think this one is, we don't have to talk too long about this one. Kraken's Aether Vane. Oh,
0: it's, it's good though. Um, okay. So the, the way to look at Kraken's Aether Vane is, like, imagine playing it on your turn, and, like, it just requires a card of your opponent to block it. And if they don't block it, it's instant, it's one damage, right? Which is not an incredible amount, but it replaces that. And, yeah, then you're able to kind of keep playing your turn. So you can do this, you can ping for one, and now you can Voltic Bolt or something like that, which doesn't sound incredible, right? It doesn't sound insane, but I think it's better than people get a credit for. Because every time you activate Kraken's Eighth Vane, you're asking your opponent the question, of committing a card to do this. I mean, obviously there's things like Tunic and things like that, but over a longer, a longer game, um, I think that this stacks up. Like if you get uh, three activations out of this and Blitz four activations out of it, it's incredibly strong. Um, so I think it's better than people get a credit for because it does demand a card, especially when you play it on your turn. Um, obviously, if they do pitch that card and you come with something else, they can use the rest of whatever resources were available on that card, to block whatever you come in with after it but i like that that the first equation that you present your opponent is do you want to commit an entire card to one damage mm-hmm. so i think it's it's not incredible <laughs> like you know uh i don't know if you're i'm playing it over crucible all the time but i think there's a build of kano where you can utilize this a bit better and i think it's it it can potentially give you a lot of control as the kano player
1: I want to talk about this card, we talked about this in, um, of course, our preview card, Scour. Any different thoughts? We talked about this at length in the preview video, but do you think the, as you start to see the classic constructed format shape up, how do you think this card impacts uh, Kano and its, its viability as a, a deck in this format?
0: Yeah, so definitely incredible against zero-cost auras, um, and of course token auras as well, which might be very relevant in the coming meta. That being said, I don't think that this is... Something that's going to swing that Prism matchup to be super favorable for Kano. I don't think it's powerful enough, just in the context of Heralds just wrecking you and things like Genesis existing. Um, I do think that this is uh, one of the core blues that a lot of Kano decks be playing. Um, Like, I think a a good way to evaluate blues in Kano is, like, am I playing this blue in Blitz, right? Because you can't swap them in and out, and I think that this would be a, a stock blue for me in blitz because when it's good it's really really good and it does hit a lot more than you might think when you first see it right we're talking about chain shackles seismic surge tokens briar embodiments um which you know not relevant unless it's the embodiment of lightning for playing kano but yeah it's a really good blue and i think it's a great addition to the deck
1: Mm -hmm. cool uh any other cards you want to talk about before we move on to our next uh or i guess the just wrapping up Kano, any other sort of cards you want to talk about in Everfest?
0: Not really. I mean, there's something we said about Sigil Parapets. Um, Like, that could particularly be quite a good card. Um, I know specifically in Blitz, I probably would consider trying out this card, but... that's one of those ones I feel like I have to test more before I feel comfortable, <laughs> you know, kind of getting yeah. a full evaluation on it.
1: It's not written on the card how good it might be. There, there could be a bunch yeah. of uh, different lines where it becomes better than we think. And, and a different way to play Kano that we just talked about could could see that uh, happen. So we talked about some of the cards. We talked about archetypes in this format. Um, where do you see Kano sort of falling in this format in terms of what's it going to be good against? What's it, uh, you know, where's it going to kind of stand? When would you play this? When would you not play it?
0: Yeah, so unfortunately, I actually think he still really struggles in a prism meta, meta, almost more than any other. Um, so, Wild well, is a great addition to the deck. I don't think that Kano is what I'm picking up to combat Prism, and you know, maybe even Bravo, Star of the Show. Bravo potentially different because Bravo, the the popular deck of Bravo, Star of the Show, is actually quite card hungry. But you know, could switch to more of a a chip uh, chip game plan, and then picking its uh, you know picking its time to explode on you uh, if it's playing against Kano. So I think that it's not in a fantastic spot, but we have a lot of tools here and Wizard is just like a historically very complicated class to kind of look at, evaluate and figure out. Like it is uh, the... I mean, Kano was probably most powerful in Arcane Rising and it's for the collective entire community of Flesh and Blood to unlock his power in Blitz. So I think that, you know, that kind of goes to speak. But yeah, this meta, it's not my first pick.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... There's a lot beneath the surface, and I think we're going to see Kano at some point. I don't say break out, but have it have its time at an event in this format. I think it's uh, there's it's complicated. There's some stuff that can be done there, and I think you can tune it in a way that maybe you play slightly differently. Opponents don't know how to play against that. I think it'll have it will make an impact at some point in this format. I just don't think it's going to be be top tier. I don't think these are the I don't think the stickers all of a sudden become you know one of the best sticks in the format. So. Uh, if we if we jump to grading, I'm probably giving Kano a C plus. I think some really great tools. I think Kano gets a bump. Uh, I think the meta to start with might be tough for Kano, but yeah, I think there's something there, and we're gonna see Kano be be around at least the fringes, if not more, in this format.
0: I'm gonna give him a B minus, slightly to be contrarian, but also because it doesn't take a lot, right? Like I said, it is very hard to evaluate Kano on uh, you know just at a glance. I think you need a lot of testing and a lot of time. And could find some interactions or some ways of playing that hero that make him very very strong. And when he does, like there's a there's a fine line that I think he exists under right now. And as soon as he bra- breaks out over that, it's there's no like middle ground, right? He's either down here or he's like way up here. So, um yeah, I think it's fragile and we got a lot of a lot of cool of cool cards to work with, so B minus for me.
1: cool Let's move on to Ninja. Uh, you know, if we talk about where ninja was in the last meta really fell out of favor. Monarch, monarch meta we saw ninja start strong. Uh, we saw ninja control in a big way do well. Won the first uh, PCI event and then was like prevalent through the road to national season. Uh, to start with, we saw aggressive dexon become a bit more of the the flavor uh, as it just became impossible to line up against chain with that sort of control deck. And then Aria comes out and ninja just kind of falls off the radar. Right, like there was a bit of aggro to start the format with and then kind of kind of nothing from from katsu um just really struggled into you know the, the aggressive decks couldn't line up well enough into Briar because of embodiments you just swung back turns you took damage to try and come with your on hit effects and all of a sudden briar was out defending you uh, the control decks were just done better with old time and even dash so i think ninja ninja and katsu of course struggled in that in that previous format um but what one thing that you know the things that katsu is good at is katsu has great on hit effects in terms of the combo lines uh mask is always a threat mask momentum is one of your biggest strengths right you have the lord of wind combo you have new combo lines as well and you have just good damage as well with like the kick line um as well while you're still presenting on hit effects of masks plus you have the kadachis for like that long-term game so it always feels to me like katsu is always an option uh it just depends you know what's kind of around it, and how you build it to try and combat what's happening in the meta
0: Yeah, I felt like embodiments, the stacking embodiments of Earth priorata were particularly oppressive against um against Katsu because you could uh, you could still like you could let Katsu kind of come back at you, hit you with the kadachis, maybe the or a kadachi in the first attack, the you know, surging strike, and then you could sometimes easily block out the whelming, like the key card, yeah. so. I felt like the Briar really kept that deck out of the meta, but in Monarch, it was probably the second most popular aggro deck, and I think it was a lot more powerful than people gave it credit for because Chain really hated blocking. Um, but yeah, I think with the errata of Briar, like, and of course the additions of some of these new cards, Katsu is definitely back on the menu, especially in a Prism meta. Um, like, I think that Katsu has a pretty good time clearing auras. So if we're gonna have a an aura, you know, heavy aura based present meta um katsu is something to look at in my opinion
1: it's funny i think in the monarch meta initially it felt like a terrible match for katsu because all the builds were like herald based and it was like you know you can't pop the heralds and their damage is better and then they can still defend reasonably well and then as we shifted towards more auras, it the the katsu aggro deck like became you know as you say better and i think yeah you're right it probably has gonna have a good time into these decks so if we if we look at where I guess cards now for Ninja and Everfest. Um, let's start with Break Tide, which is the um, this is the majestic that follows on from the Rushing River or Flood of Force combo line. Um, so it says if Rushing River or Flood of Force was the last attack of this combat chain, Break Tide gets plus three and dominate. And when Break Tide hits, banish the top card of your deck until the end of your next turn. So don't have to play it this turn next turn. You may play it. Uh, it's a yellow yellow pitch which is i really like that's the flutter force kind of line is that yellow pitch defense three attacks for two so with the dominate comes in for five and has that on effect which is i think really strong Uh, i think this card is really good i think flutter force felt really awkward to play um but now we have more cards that play into that flutter force line uh rushing river is still you know strong torrent tempo is a good card you want to play in most ninja decks anyway and now you just have a, a way to make that line better with this card break tide which is you know effectively on the combo is five dominate on hit draw a card except that you can play that card for multiple turns it's like an extra arsenal for two turns which is is really strong um and of course if it's on top of the the flood of force or the rushing river you you know what the card is because you put it back on top so um yeah i really like this card
0: yeah i think that like what you said the the effect is super powerful banishing that card and
1: being able to play it
0: on your following turn so generating advantage on the turn after after you've already hit them with a five dominate um, and, of course, all the prerequisites to pulling off this combo. Very, very strong. My caveat with evaluating this card is just... I can evaluate the Flood of Force combo from, like, a theory perspective, but I haven't played that combo line myself almost ever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like... like there's, I think with Ninja, there's a lot of feel to it, right? Um, and I just don't know exactly what it's like to try to pull off that combo consistently. Um, so the power level t- for me... With this card, is a little bit ambiguous, and it just depends, you know, what is it like to run flood of force, the flood of force line consistently, rather than, you know, maybe the lake tap line. Uh, probably not the surging line because that one is ridiculous. But
1: you know what I mean. Maybe, yeah. I mean, this could be a completely different deck, and you're right. It's kind of restricted by the power of this can be as you know, it can be as high as this, but it's kind of restricted by what happens before it when you put combo on a card, especially when you need two combo, you know, two cards to to um, come before it. So. It's it's interesting. I think the I think the deck probably looks different, to be honest. Um, this kind of this Rushing River Flood of Force line. Uh I will say that one of the cool things you can do with this is you can set up the card for next turn. So say you you draw up the cards with Rushing River, you put the cards back on top. The card you banish with uh Break Tide, you might not want to play this turn, but it might be a combo card to set up for next turn. It could be a crane dance for your soul beat strike. The following turn or whatever you know like there's there's things you could do right so um, i do like that aspect of, of break tide i want to talk about 100 wins because i think this this rare cycle of of um, cards is really interesting so 100 wins is the zero cost uh combo card it says if 100 wins is the last attack this combat chain this attack ends plus one for each other card named 100 wins you control on the combat chain so they build on each other and they all have natural go again three attack at red two at yellow one at blue and defend for two i think this line is super interesting i just think it's whether it's going to be powerful enough obviously this allows you to go wider get the the buff effects um things that spring to mind is like how can you maybe use this with like a belittle line uh and with potential some non-attack actions um yeah I, i think this is the one that interests me the most it's just whether it's going to be powerful enough to be the strong aggro deck that this feels like you want to be building with these cards
0: yeah so at this point i've played against it a few times and it does seem super powerful like combo with go again is particularly nice because basically when this hits you're able to katsu or when your first attack action is you can katsu Mm -hmm. for one of them potentially katsu for another it also interacts with breaking scales in a pretty annoying way so you go kadachi kadachi 100 100 wins that's a little bit tilting for the opponent um obviously you only do it once a game but yeah i think it's i think it's very powerful um combo cards with go again I think particularly the red one, like this, the the power floor is very high, right? Where you're katsuing out a card that does nothing in your hand, and you're grabbing something that's three with go again. Um, you know, contextual to what katsu does with having something like mask of momentum and being uh, rewarded for going wide most of the time. I think this card is very
1: very good. And then of course you have the blue is good too yeah 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 i could even see starting with nine and then maybe working out where you go from there because like you say there's ways to search them up but then of course you have 100 wins sorry wins of eternity which combos off of 100 wins uh so it's a blue zero cost three defense two attack this combo of 100 wins was the last attack this combat chain wins of eternity gains plus two and when this hits shuffle all cards and 100 wins you own on the combat chain into your deck so Winds of Eternity can be searched up with one of the cards played on. Maybe you've played 200 wins this turn. You can pop them back into your deck shuffle. Uh, This is coming in for four as well at blue. It feels like a good, you know, it's already a blue, which is based just good for your deck, right? And then adds on to this hundred wins combo in a a pretty good way that allows you to keep density in your deck, which can often be a problem for really hyper aggressive ninja decks in, in certain formats. Um, and also just just be a good attack on the end of it. So I think this is a nice combo finisher for the for the hundred wins line.
0: Blue card that blocks
1: for three and potentially is four.
0: Actually, often is four if you're playing a few hundred wins and helps you recycle threat density. I think this is the best card that Ninja got this set and the best card Ninjas had like gotten in a long time. Like this card is, in my opinion, it's incredible. Because um, if you ever played longer games, uh, Ninja, but you know Katsu. Uh, specifically against control, maybe even mid range. You start to run out of threats, and that's pretty bad. So the effect of this is definitely—it's more powerful than it looks when you first read it. And a blue that—you know—if you're playing 900 wins, that is coming in four, that's very good. Worst case scenario, it's blocking for three, and it's also
1: pitching for your Karachis.
0: That's a good card.
1: Yep. There's a couple of cards I want to just briefly touch on before we talk about one of the most important cards I think Ninja gets in this format, which isn't a Ninja card. Uh, but Mask of Pouncing Links first. Uh, I think Mask Momentum is just too powerful to not be playing in classic constructed ninja decks. But there could very well be this hyper aggressive deck that's less focused on the on hit effects and more just on pure damage, and that's where Mask of the Pouncing Links might come into play uh, for these kind of really important this one important turn. I'm not thrilled about it. I think Mask Momentum's too strong. Um, and then Twin Twisters is a card that I think is kind of piques my interest a little bit. This ability to choose one of two abilities, either plus one to the Twin Twisters or to the next attack, really good for breakpoints points and um, probably fits into a, uh, because it's it's the next attack, it's not attack action or uh, ninja attack action or combo card or whatever. It's a lot more flexible, probably plays into these ninja decks that maybe want to play less ninja cards and more just like good generics and things like that, which is, is quite cool with this effect. You could play this with go again into a snatch for five, for instance. Uh, which I think is quite cool.
0: Yeah, I think Twin Twisters is really good. Um, in terms of pouncing links, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to evaluate. Maybe in like a super hyper-aggressive matchup. Um, and of course, outside of that, like a specific use case where you're abusing this effect to search out a card that's you know core to whatever broken mm-hmm. combo or game plan that has been developed. Um, but yeah, Mask Momentum is just so freaking powerful. So hard to say, but I actually think Twin Twisters is very, very good. Um, the ability to give that next one plus one. Um, it, I just love like modal abilities, um, especially when both are super relevant. Like I think, yeah. So either plus one on this, making it one for four, or making the next one plus one, and you can make that next card something particularly nasty, right? Command and Conquer for seven. Ninja still does that. Um, so Twin Twisters into Command and
1: Conquer. Pretty annoying. Um, I really like it. Yep. I think the card is, is good, and I'm excited to play with it. Um just lastly on pouncing uh mask of pouncing leagues. I think, you know, clearly a good card in Benji. Uh great that we have a budget option to mask momentum. You could say, well, how often in a game does mask momentum hit? But it's always the threat of that card. So yes. yeah, that's the thing. So um even bigger than that, we got to talk about this card because I think this might be might be the best card that, that Ninja's gotten in this set. I know you just you know, you, you labeled a couple there as maybe the best cards with uh, winds of eternity even bigger than that is very very strong you can trigger this off Kadachi. this is the the zero cost generic instant um op three and then if you've dealt uh is it you've dealt uh how's it read uh if, you, if the attack is greater than the amount of damage you've done this turn or on that attack sorry you you get the card um we draw a card create a quick and token draw a card sorry uh, <laughs> really powerful effect right so a lot of attack actions in ninja Kadachi is always coming in threatening this card usually it's always often always correct to take that first kadachi. so even bigger than that is going to be really easy to trigger and get off unless your opponent is actively trying to play around it which is also just good for you because it means they're blocking kadachis. Um, and then if you you keep your density of attack actions high which you want to a ninja anyway this card is very strong and that quicken token is good when you're also playing cards you know that maybe don't have natural go again like the rushing river line with toronto tempo and and um and solid strike maybe on the crane Dance line uh yeah i mean quicken with snatch is always fantastic i i think this card is great i think this might be one of the best cards uh that we that we get yeah it is very very powerful um like some of these additions to ninja are
0: really pushing it over the line for me as a potential choice for early in this meta because like as plunder run has been taken out of the format like, I think aggro decks are probably like most aggro decks universally suffer from that. But with some of the tools that Ninja's getting, I wonder if they can compensate for the lack of the loss of plunder on there. Um, and this one in particular. I know when you're playing against it, you're just like, oh man, every time they drop it, okay, at least there's only, there's only two more left or something like that. Uh, I do maintain that I think, that, uh, <laughs> what is it, Winds of Eternity is the, uh, the most impactful card that Wizard is getting in the set, at least.
1: Ninja? You mean? yeah ninja wizard <laughs> it's uh yeah very a dagger wizard To <laughs> the the mix up there so the i just want to kind of wrap up ninja i think my concern with ninja in this format is does it have enough does it have enough to be the premier aggressive deck does it have enough to be the premier kind of on-headed effect deck that's really difficult to you know like almost reminds me of like dorinthia early in um in flesh and blood like the deck that's hard to defend against the deck that has these tricks uh is this what we're going to see with ninja i don't know i have a bit of like reservation about that i haven't tested it a whole heap yet so really just going off what well, you know what i know previously and what i think these cards do as an impact um some people have told me you know some sort of anecdotally that the deck feels powerful that even bigger than that is very strong that there's some really cool lines um but does it quite have that edge that it needs uh to to get over the line not quite sure i think we're going to see this play really well into certain metagames i think now your prison matchup is, is good i think you're really good into into brutes um i think if you know you were still expecting a bunch of old times uh and guardians it could be could be tough but i will be interested to see where ninja is if i was to wrap it up and Brendan and give it a grade i'm probably going to give it a b minus i think i had it like a c plus but i think i'm going to bump it up to a b minus i think these cards are powerful i think there's something there and i think we're going to see ninja be uh be in this format and be a threat uh, different events as we go forward.
0: So I'm not sure how bad the Plunderone ban is for Ninja, but for me it's an A minus. I think that Ninja yeah. is going to be the premier throw to the ground, go wide aggro deck, um, and can be a particularly good meta call as things like Old Him and traditional Bravo are really going to struggle into all these Prism Wars. So it's an A minus for me. I think prison, I think Ninja got incredible, uh, incredible cards in this set,
1: and Yeah, it's a powerful deck. Cool. All right, there you have it. Brendan thinks Ninja's going to be powerful. I think it could be, and we'll see what happens. All right, Brendan, so we we have three more classes to cover, but we're not going to do it today. Uh, Initially, our thought was two-parter, go through the classes. Uh, There's a lot of cards at FFs. There's a lot to discuss, and we don't want to shortchange any of the classes, and we also don't want to run for two-plus hours. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to come back and we're going to cover Warrior, Ranger, and and illusionist which i'm sure people have been holding out for and um, we're hoping to hear this week but we're going to talk about it as kind of we, we think it really is what's gonna impact this format early on at least um so maybe we'll be wrong by the time we get to the third week of everfest but let's talk about it next week we're also what we're going to do in conjunction with that is we're going to take some questions on the format so uh if you've got any questions that you would like us to answer about the format drop it in the comments below tweet at us i'm going to put a tweet out as well brennan's going to retweet it for me and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some some questions that people might have on this format that maybe we haven't covered in the first two parts of this this discussion on Everfest that's less related to classes and more about the format. So that's next week. Before we drop off, Brendan, want to just uh, plug a couple of things. want to say you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Brendan is at BrendanAPG. I'm at FianDale, Fian underscore Dale. And uh, if you are not aware of our Patreon, we do have a Patreon where we post deck techs, um, or sorry deck guides that go along with our deck techs on YouTube of course we have the gameplays up on YouTube uh, we have an extra monthly podcast we do have a discord for our our community as well that you can join in if you're a, if you're a, a patron otherwise Brendan uh, we'll see you next week when we finish out Everfest and Classic Constructed.
0: see you next time